The Mentors. That's right. This is Vadim and Sergey, and we're back to you with another hot and spicy and tangy wow. and sweet and apparently full of cats episode. <laughs> this is a show where we tell stories about ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And today we're going to talk about advisors. Who needs them? Apparently not Donald Trump. Uh, well, maybe for spell check. Ouch. But other than spell check, he probably doesn't utilize them to the extent that he should. But as an entrepreneur, you may or may not want to get some advisors on board. And you might have heard the term advisors and wondered, what does it really mean? What do they really do? And how do I find them? To start off, Vadim, does everybody need an advisor? Does every single type of company absolutely need an advisor? Well, it depends. I mean, if you want somebody to have a shoulder that you can cry on and wipe away your tears, <laughs> absolutely. The answer is, uh, I guess, kind of dubious because while it can really be helpful to have advisors, uh, you don't need it. There are companies that can succeed you know, without the help. But that's kind of like saying, do you need a business partner to succeed or do you need funding to succeed or do you need customers to pay you money? So uh, some, sometimes I guess I would say the answer is it'll be helpful most likely. I would say for most companies that plan to grow to a substantial size with a lot of employees, yes, you should have an advisor. Um, if you're the kind of company that may never grow beyond one, two or a couple people, you probably don't need an advisor, or at least not a formal advisor. We'll get into the distinction a little bit later on. And, you know, I would say there's a little bit of a difference between a mentor and an advisor. And oftentimes an advisor can be a mentor and vice versa. But I think the main difference is that advisors are typically uh, people that have a specific kind of expertise. A mentor could be a general expert or somebody that generally is helpful to you and your business uh, in many ways. But an advisor typically you use for a specific reason. So let's talk through, I guess, some examples of when an advisor might be helpful to you in a company. So let's say you're starting a business and uh, you know you might have some domain expertise, but you don't have any sales experience. Sergey, would it be helpful to get an advisor that does have a lot of sales experience in your field? Absolutely. I mean, that's that. What we talk about in one of our episodes, uh, the that two of the most important things in building a company is either selling a product or building a product. They're the only things that matter in the early days. And so, if you don't have expertise in one of those aspects, and it's critical to your business, which it is to most businesses then you're going to need to get an advisor who can help you uh, make informed decisions on how to build or how to sell before you hire employees to do that. You might not be able to afford employees in the beginning to do that. Um, and I'll tell you that the reason why a, a lot of venture capitalists or investors of any kind want you to have advisors is because they recognize that at the very early stages, there is no way... Uh, that you know every single little thing that you need to know about how to build a successful company and uh, never mind building a successful company in some specific industry. And we talk about here a lot about entrepreneurs that build companies that don't have necessarily experience in a specific industry or experience building a, some sort of type of product. And investors understand this. And even though you might be somebody that hustles and you're going to build a cool company, they want you to have people on your side that are incentivized to help you that maybe aren't employees but are helping you along the way in those really critical early days. 
an example of that right now that's pretty prevalent is the blockchain slash cryptocurrency market. So when uh, a company is looking to invest in a new blockchain technology, a lot of times these days they do look specifically for advisors on the board uh, that have either the domain expertise uh, or some kind of um, potential uh, offer that could uh, give that company an advantage. And so and especially in a nascent space where people just don't know a lot about it, it can be helpful to have devices to give you that credibility. So domain expertise is one thing that you could look for in a potential advisor or when you're starting to think about how should I find an advisor and who should I look for, domain expertise, especially a topic that you don't know, is one of those things. What are some other ways? So another reason why somebody might need an advisor is um, not only for domain expertise, but if they want somebody to sort of plug holes in their own knowledge. So let's say you get to a point where you uh, are fairly successful, you're generating revenue, and you want to grow, and all of a sudden you need to hire 50 employees, but you've never managed 50 people before in your life. This is a perfect scenario where you might want to bring on an advisor that has a specific skill of scaling and managing teams because you yourself haven't done it and that is a great way for you to de-risk that whole situation and also prove to your existing investors uh, that you're thinking about this intelligently. And actually to to solidify that example a little bit more, maybe at at 50 employees you might actually hire a, a chief people officer or VP of HR, but let's say you're at 20 and you know in the next year you're gonna grow to 100 or to 50. Um, then it might not make sense for you yet to hire somebody because it's too early, you can't afford them, whatever it is, but you might want an advisor who can help guide the process of what you should do meanwhile while you're learning and the kind of person you should look for in that VP of HR kind of role. True, and in this scenario, again, you're not a domain expert in a particular field, but you are effectively a domain expert in uh, that sort of category that the entrepreneur might not know a lot about, uh, like growing a team. And so if we back up to like the first year of running your company, the other, I think, two core areas that you should look for advisors in is people that can introduce you to potential customers or uh, people that will become your future customers or can give you informed feedback on what you're building because they are in your target demographic of people that you want to sell to ultimately. And then people that can ultimately introduce you to investors. They have a big network, customers and investors, right? The two ways you could possibly get money in any business is customers or investors. So can this person uh, leverage their network to make introductions to those kind of people? And and do they want to do that even? If the person is so interested in your business that they're willing to make introductions for you and sort of put their reputation at stake, they might actually make a good advisor. Now, I will say one thing that if the advisor that you are working with, and they're a formal advisor, and again, I will, we'll talk about this in a second, what a formal advisor means versus informal, um, and they are the kind of person that uh, is independently wealthy, and they actually actively make angel investments or investments in startups, and they make introductions to other investors for you, you want to make sure that they actually also invest some of their own money. If they're making introductions but they're not willing to invest their own money and it's something that they actively do, then that might look bad and that's going to be the first question that other investors make. I just wanted to make that point very briefly. If they if they have money but they never make angel investments or startup investments, then you don't really have to worry about that. It's not going to send any kind of negative signal. Another scenario where uh, uh advisor can be really helpful is especially for those solo entrepreneurs out there. As a solo entrepreneur, 
you don't have the benefit of running your ideas uh, against another partner, uh, and sometimes you might get stuck. And so an advisor can be a perfect type of person that helps you think with another entrepreneur hat on. Because when you're building a company, if you have employees, you can't necessarily go to your employees with some of your biggest problems. You have to sort of bear the burden, especially that's that might be the job of the CEO. So you might bring on an advisor to kind of help you sort of um, think through these things, bounce ideas around. And of course, if they're a domain expert or if they're an expert in an area that um, like growing your company, that's, that's one way to do. But sometimes it's just kind of like resetting uh, and helping you work through some problems that a founder or a CEO might have that he can't really share, he or she can't share with anybody else. So finally, uh, we're going to get to why or what is the difference between a formal advisor and informal advisor. And the main difference is one of them is typically, the formal advisor is typically compensated in some way. And the informal advisor typically is not compensated in in money or stock or anything like that. And how do you know which one should be formal or which one should be informal? Well, I would say a formal advisor is like one step below a contractor or an early employee. They're providing a ton of value for you and you want them to be somebody that you can use their expertise or their network, et cetera, on a consistent basis over a some sort of defined period of time. And so because you want that from them and you think they could be really critical to your business, you want to create and establish a formal relationship with them so they have a little bit of extra incentive to help you beyond just the fact that they like what you're building and they like you as a founder. Um, but we do have a story about how we met a gentleman when we were building our company, Tacit, who became an informal advisor uh, to us. Uh, so, Vadim, how do we even – his name was Michael Gold, Goldenberg. But, Vadim, do you remember how we met Michael and how we decided that he should be an advisor? Well, you see, early on, we were doing uh, sales effectively through LinkedIn cold outreach. And we were reaching out to people. We were building sales software. We were reaching out to people that we knew in our network uh, that were sales leaders and also people completely cold out of the blue. And Michael actually happened to be one of the people that I reached out to cold. Uh, and after one other follow-up email, he agreed to a phone call where we essentially walked him through a demo of the solution we were thinking about for salespeople, and he just got really excited about it. And we talked about it again a week later, and he gave us some great feedback on how it could be useful for his employees. And then after a few weeks, uh, I believe you met with him right separately and asked him to be our advisor? Well, so I met with him in person, and what I, what I noticed started happening is after the first conversation, um, he actually started reaching out proactively to get... Uh, to get an update on what was going on with the business. So he expressed more interest in knowing us and understanding what we're building. And I also noticed that every time we would get on a call with him, we would get some really interesting insight on how our product could be better. So I, th I felt like this guy actually has some good opinions about what could make a product good. And he was a sales leader, so it made sense for us to work with somebody very closely in that regard because he would be representative of what our customers would be down the line. And uh, when we met... You know, I actually already knew that I wanted to see if we, we could essentially check in more regularly. We weren't willing to compensate him because we weren't going to really have any more than a conversation, maybe one conversation per month with him on the phone. Uh, but we, we did want to set that expectation that we would speak with him regularly. And so when I floated that idea when we met in person, it turned out that he actually was looking for startups to advise uh, and... We we I asked them like what what do you expect to get from this 
And he actually told me, you know what? I just want to advise more companies. If I can put it on my LinkedIn that I'm an advisor to your company, that's enough for me. I don't need anything else. And so for us, that was perfect too. It wasn't a formal advisory relationship where we compensate him, but he could say he advises us and we could say we have this sales leader who's an advisor to our business. So in this scenario, this is a domain expert and the incentive for him was pretty clear. Uh, He worked in sales and he wanted to meet other entrepreneurs in the area and he just wanted to be able to put on his LinkedIn and have some more credibility, I guess, um, uh, that he is advising other startups. Was there any other incentive, you think, for for Michael to sort of uh, be a quote-unquote informal advisor on our team? Probably learning about new products and new technologies from founders that are actively working in the space, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, This is a guy who was a, a sales leader in the tech space, so he wanted to be at the forefront and he felt like since we're sort of product visionaries and we're out there building he's going to know more maybe than other salespeople, uh sales leaders and it will give him an edge so that was probably an incentive sure yeah and you know what i think ultimately we just got along and we had a good relationship every time we got on a call with him we got something done and he enjoyed simply enjoyed the fact that we got value from him and that's another thing to consider you know when you're thinking about advisors or talking about prospective advisors they want to give back and they want to make sure that they're working with you and providing value along the way. If they feel like they're not providing value or if you're just they're just there as a name, it probably won't the the relationship probably will not have that much longevity. Um, so it's really it really as you notice in this story, it happens organically. And the next story we're going to tell you about a formal advisory relationship we had that also happened pretty organically, albeit also through cold outreach. So first, let's talk about Sergey. then. Uh, if an informal advisor is essentially someone that wants to help you out, uh, you probably had some expectations that you set with him as to how often we talk, right? Or... Yeah, so with, with the informal advisor, with Michael, yes. Uh, I told him that I want to check in with him once a month on the phone and emails here or there when we need help. And he was totally game for that. And we didn't even actually talk about how long it would happen for. It didn't really matter to us as long as it made sense for both of us. In a formal advisory negotiation, I would say I would set expectations for how long that relationship would would exist for. But also it was important to set expectations in this scenario, like you said, asking him right up front, what do you want to get out of this? Or why are you doing this? How often will we meet? Will it be over the phone or face to face? These are important to get out there because again, you're building a relationship with somebody and you're working with somebody that has knowledge that you don't have. And so you need to respect their time um, and the fact that, uh, and, and the reasons why they might be doing this. So then, Sergey, uh, before we jump into that story about how we got a formal advisor, can you walk us through, I guess, probably the main difference between an informal advisor and a formal advisor? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the biggest difference is the formal advisor is typically more mission critical to your business, right? So they can make introductions for you and or help you make decisions that it can make or break your business. And therefore, you want that person even more involved and therefore you want to compensate them somehow financially. And so financially can mean a couple of different things. Um, Compensation really can happen in in only two ways in a startup. It's either through cash, if you have money to pay, or through equity. So typically when you have a formal advisor or someone that you want to bring on to actually help you on a more regular basis that's mission critical to your business, you're going to offer to pay them in a little bit of a stock because you probably don't have cash when you're a startup. So a lot of founders ask us, how much should I offer for a formal advisor to receive in stock compensation? So as you would hear from our equity negotiation uh, episode about negotiating equity with co-founders, 
It is a bit up in the air because it is a negotiation, but we'll give you a range because we know you want a range. Typically, it goes anywhere from 0.1% of equity to one-tenth of a percent. One-tenth of a percent of equity to possibly a couple percentage points. If you're going to give an advisor a couple percentage points of equity, uh, they're almost like an employee at that point. They should be answering your texts or emails, even if you email them like several times a week or every day or you call them at midnight, right? I mean, if they have a few percentage points of your business, uh, they should feel like they have skin in the game and they're almost like a co-founder, even if they're not really a co-founder. So that is actually a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make. You know, they want... a. Uh uh, just a, an advisor for a name on their website um, or they kind of get bullied into giving a lot of equity because they don't really understand what those dynamics look like. But if you're going to be giving a few percentage points away to an advisor, at this point, they're effectively becoming a partner. And like Sergey said, an early employee. And in this scenario, they have to offer a lot more value, whether it's financial or introductions to customers or some of the other things that we talked about earlier. So uh, I want to get into sort of structure of how you might offer the equity. And by the way, to just to close the loop on the range there, 0.1% is probably the the bottom of the range. If, if somebody is helping your business, they, they're going to want at least that much if they're going to, again, materially impact the outcome of that business. And that person, maybe they're just like a really super busy person. You can only check in with them once a month or something. They're still critical to you, but they maybe are advisors to a bunch of different companies and they, they'll help you out once in a while on some sort of regular cadence. And that's where you might say, okay, well, how about 0.1% because we're not going to be able to talk to you every single day. You're not really going to be working for us. You will be very, very helpful, but the low amount is probably more fair. But again, it's a negotiation. So I want to tell you a quick story about how we met our formal advisor. We were actually reaching out to alumni of Bentley University. Our go Falcons! Mater. Falcons. We <laughs> did we go to a single sports game? And, uh, maybe uh, one. No, they have a new hockey. Oh, uh, football, right basketball. We went to a bunch. Oh yeah, basketball. Yeah. Well, we like basketball, even though we're not that good at it. We're pretty good. Speak we for have yourself, no ups. No ups. I got layups though. Oh, well, can once in a while make a layup, Reverse but layup, our actually. vertical leap is about three inches. But we digress. Uh, and so we we reached out to a bunch of people, actually not not really specifically planning to have them be advisors. We were actually reaching out to people to potentially become customers. And there was one gentleman who was a chief revenue officer of a very successful company. I think they were doing about $100 million a year. And he ended up responding to us. And it turned out that he was actually an advisor, and we went on AngelList, angel.co, uh, and saw that he was an advisor to a bunch of other software companies. And in fact, sales software was something that he was really interested in. And he agreed to a call, and once we got off the call with him, he was really helpful, he agreed to meet in person. And so we went and we met with him, uh, and it might have been even a couple of calls that we met with him. And this actually goes to my timing of when do you make a formal advisorship or advisory relationship request. I would say that if you met with somebody just one time and they, even if they're an active advisor to other companies, they come to you asking to be a formal advisor and want to talk compensation, that's a bit of a red flag for me. Right. Uh, most good advisors offer value before they have the conversation with you about being a formal compensated advisor. And so how do they offer value? By starting to make introductions, by you know not just giving you advice, but typically somehow doing helping you with things that, again, can, be, can really move the needle for your business. Um, doing real work for you like a co-founder would at least once or twice. So we met with uh, this gentleman, Kyle, 
and in his offices and we were supposed to meet for half an hour and uh, we actually it, it, it was an hour and a half that passed by and this is again a, a really busy guy and I came into Vadim and I came into the meeting already knowing that we want to have the formal advisory conversation with him we had known him for you know a few months had a few conversations he was already pretty helpful well yes he was already helpful he already gave us several introductions those introductions actually uh one of them ended up uh, becoming a user of our product i believe Uh, and so he was offering value just immediately right after the first phone call so when we finally met in person it was a no-brainer we wanted this gentleman uh essentially on our advisory board so do you remember how we approached that conversation yeah, uh, actually, he was the kind of guy I remember that like would he would promise us introductions, and before the meeting was even over, we would have three emails in our inbox with the introduction. So, action speaks louder than words in that regard. But yeah, um, it was ending; it was getting close to the end of the meeting, and you know we were wrapping up. And uh, I mean, one of us had to bite the bullet and make the ask essentially. So, what we said is, we said, Kyle, uh, we really enjoy working with you. You've been super helpful in our business. We know that you advice other companies uh, and we want to make sure that uh, we can continue this relationship in a more consistent basis we know that you're really busy uh, would you be open to to being a formal advisor for us we actually said those words a formal advisor we didn't talk about necessarily exactly how it was going to play out right away but that was the first question that we asked do you have uh, are you looking for other companies to advise at this point because we'd love to have you on board and uh, luckily, he, he liked us. He liked that we were Bentley guys. He liked that we were working on software he was interested in. And he said, yes, yeah. so it was it was an easy decision for him. Now, do you remember, because I can forget this, did we have a discussion around how much, uh, how many stock options we would give him uh, or what percentage we would give him? Or did that happen afterwards over email? Uh, so I believe that it happened initially uh, over email. We might have hopped on a call with him to finalize that conversation, basically justify why we wanted to offer what we wanted to offer. Yeah, I think he actually asked us to come to an offer for him first. And I remember uh, doing research online, and I remember even asking him, and he actually gave us a range. He said that oftentimes when he likes working at a company, he even gets up to a couple percentage points. But when he said up to, we already knew that you know it was definitely a range. It wasn't necessarily that he demanded a couple percentage points. And I think at some point we even asked him, like, what's what's a lower lower range that you've uh, gone with, a company that you might have worked with? And he told us, uh, I think it was a couple basis points is how he said it. A couple basis points actually means like 0.1, 0.2 percentage points. I had to Google that afterwards, I think, after he told us that. But um, he told us that, you know, but I'm typically more incentivized and really even I can be even more helpful when I have more skin in the game, which makes sense. That's just, I mean, he's a businessman. He was negotiating. So... Um, uh, we essentially we had our lawyers draw up a contract. We didn't even actually know how to offer him uh, equity. And what we learned is typically the way you compensate an advisor is similarly how you would compensate future employees from a stock option pool. So you have allocated a stock option pool. Usually it's like 10, 15% or so of all of your stock. Uh, and you offer them stock options. It's not equity, it's not common stock, it's stock options, which is an option to purchase stock in the future. We can get into the details of that in the, uh, at a later date. But we offered stock options and it was there was a vesting schedule. So we didn't want him to just like help us for two months and then leave. I think it was uh, at least six months he had to help us for. And uh, we had him sign a non-disclosure agreement as well because you know he dealt with other sales software companies. We didn't want him to uh, essentially tell all of our trade secrets to, to everybody else. And that's about it. Vesting schedule, stock option agreement, NDA, uh, 
it all happened once we agreed on a number it all happened within a day uh, but i think we threw out 0.1 percent and he said that uh, and this is after he told us that you know usually i like to get at least up to a couple percentage points so we gave up 0.1 because we knew that um he was a busy guy he probably wouldn't be able to help us every week um but uh, he said guys i'm, I'm really I, I really wouldn't take this too seriously unless i had at least a uh, 0.5 and that's what we agreed on we we really didn't do a lot of haggling um we knew that he could be critical for us, and so it, we knew that we would go as much as up to 0.5. And actually, later on, that proved to be the case. He helped introduce us to other companies that were then vetting us as potential uh, acquisition uh, target yeah. as well. Uh, you know, we met with him several times. But as you can see, you know, when you're thinking about bringing on somebody as a formal advisor, you do have to realize that you're going to have to have this conversation at some point, and it has to be effectively worth this conversation. And so for us, obviously, it was because he was going to be, as Sergey said, mission critical. But if it's just somebody that you want on your sort of page as a name, uh, this whole conversation might even help the relation, make the relationship fall apart. So it's important to think about who you're talking to, why you want them on your board. All these things are incredibly important to consider. I, I do want to say, because we touched on this a little bit before, uh, two ways to compensate someone, cash or equity. Some people may not be as interested in taking equity from you and they might want cash that's really up to you i would say though that if it's going to be an advisor a true advisor to your business they should be aligned with you and and live and die by the success or failure of your company so i would be resistant to offering cash to somebody now if you really want to hold on to your precious equity and you have cash to pay sure that's fine you can do that but then you have to think about well how many hours is this person going to spend uh per week uh working it's almost like a contractor at that point and then if they're like a, a, let's say even a, a well-off individual you have to realize that anything less than you know at least a couple thousand dollars a month for uh, you know x amount of hours of their time is not even going to be interesting for them uh let's quickly talk about then sergey how you could find advisors so what are some ways that you can expose yourself or put yourself in a position where you will get in front of advisors obviously we in our scenario reached out to alumni we also were reaching out cold to prospective sales uh customers and so that's how we stumbled upon ours but how else could you find an advisor I mean, yeah, cold outreach is something that could work for any kind of relationship building. And again, for us, it started off as cold outreach and then organically developed as a relationship that both parties agreed would make sense as an advisory relationship. Um, you know, I would say that right now, for example, um, as part of NYU Entrepreneurial Institute where I work, we have a, an accelerator program where people join. And there's tons of accelerator programs all across the country. And one way to vet an accelerator program is to see what kind of mentors are involved in that program, how experienced they are, how relevant are they to your business. Because a lot of the function of these accelerators beyond maybe giving you a little bit of money is making a ton of introductions for you and providing you with a ton of mentors. And oftentimes, some of those mentors organically become advisors to your business. They want it, you want it, and it's a, it's sort of a great outcome overall. So cold outreach is great. Programs like accelerator programs are great. Um, and I would say asking peep, smart people that are 
let's say, entrepreneurs already and have great advisors and have experience working with those individuals and know what it's like to work with them, I would reach out to entrepreneurs that are like you, but not competitive to you, and see if they'd be willing to make introductions to their advisors so you could get advice from them. Uh, And really informal advice. And over time, if you keep on meeting with them, then they can become that closer relationship. So if you were going to give a really simple definition of the difference between an advisor and a mentor, what would it be, Sergey? Can you think of it? I mean, I think I think an advisor is someone that has a very specific area of expertise that you need for your business, and then it's somebody that you can, uh, I think, leverage and meet with on a more regular basis. You have a little bit more demand as to how much you can leverage that expertise. Yeah, and then a mentor is somebody that you can, uh, they're similar to an advisor. Again, sometimes these do overlap, but it's someone that uh, might be one level ahead of you or maybe a couple levels ahead of you, and you kind of meet with them to bounce around ideas and things like that. So, But the do, the two can overlap. Uh, so the one most important thing to consider, I guess I would say, is uh, some of these things are technicalities. Uh, these relationships are what you make of them, and every advisor and even mentor relationship is different. Uh, but you do need to think about and consider why uh, you're working with them, why they might want to work with you, and also, of course, set expectations as to how your relationship is going to work as well. But you know, we're giving you guys uh, and girls some answers and suggestions on how these things can be structured and how they could work work. Um, But sometimes the answers aren't black and white. They can be pretty different in every scenario. Uh, So uh, to finish off this episode, you know, Vadim and I are open to being your advisors. There's actually, uh, we take Domino's Pizza. They have a 50% off deal on Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to give us free pizza, we'll be your advisors. We're really not that hard to please. I like chorizo tacos. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Tacos de chorizos. Uh, No, uh, but in all seriousness, we're super busy. We can't help you, but thanks for reaching out. Uh, Thank you for listening to The Mentors. And as always, let us know if you have any questions by emailing us directly. You can email us through our website at thementors.co. And if you found this helpful, uh, please tell a friend to subscribe. We we want to reach more entrepreneurs like you. Thanks and, a lot. And if you don't tell a friend, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're dead to us. You're dead to us. Have a great week, everybody.